God is love. He doesn't decide to love. Right. He didn't, love doesn't have a choice. Love, love doesn't have a preference. Like in order for love to be love, it has to find something that needs it. Something that is not love. Yes. The parody. Of which it. is sin, which is hate, which is betrayal, which is, yeah. you know, uh, backbiting, which is racism. And I believe that Love is at its best when people are at their worst. Mm. Yeah, that's the truth. Yeah. Hi, and welcome to The Purpose Podcast. My name is Rachel Stevens, and we are so grateful that you've chosen to spend some time investing in yourself, growing with us today. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe, and share this with somebody after you're listening. You're like, gosh, this just so impacted me. It challenged me. It changed my life. Changed your life. Like forever. Yeah. That's what I felt when I sat here. My life was being changed forever. Yeah, so maybe Mm -hmm. if you don't feel that way, you should listen to it again. Yeah, a second time through. Well, today is especially special. Uh, We have an incredible friend and guest, Mr. Jimmy Rollins, is here here. with us. I am. And um, we are just so grateful for uh, Pastor Jimmy, what he does, what he means to us, his encouragement to Zach and I and our family. Mm -hmm. Um, He has an incredible gifting on his life to talk about unity. Mm-hmm. And we've kind of talked about that the last few weeks on the podcast. And he has an amazing book, Love Outside the Lines, which Zach and I have been, I, my favorite thing is that, and you articulate it this way, it's not about making, trying to change your mind about anything. That's right. It's this discipleship journey. Yes. And I, I love to say, Hey God, would you just expose me to myself? Yeah. I just want to be aware of like what's going on here so I can be more like you. And I feel like that's what your book challenges people to do. Wow. So why don't you tell us a little bit about um well, before you tell us about lines. your book, tell us about oh, you yeah, and your family. You. Me and my family, let's see. Um, well, I am 49 years young. Handsome. Right? I, extremely. Like a fine wine. Extremely Asian. handsome. Right. Yeah. Your wife's a lucky lady. Uh-huh. A dark wine. Miss Irene. <laughs> Miss Irene. And I've been married to my bride, my girlfriend, um, Irene, for 23 years and in june it'll be 24 years um and it's been about the best eight years ever yeah (laughs) you know and um, we'll have to talk about that absolutely that's so good uh, god's just done tremendous revival of reconciliation in our marriage uh and honestly this 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 i feel like i'm called to reconciliation that's why he gave me kids right because um (laughs) it's hard to yeah. reconcile with adult kids. Yeah. Like they think they know everything. Mm. I have three amazing kids. Mm. Uh, uh, Kayla's 22 and all uh, Jade, Kayla's in the ministry and Jaden is working with me on some things uh, full time. He's 20 and uh, Maya is, uh, she's about to turn 18. Yeah. And we're going to be empty nesters. And right. Um, I love them. I have two English bulldogs. I am a, we are a dog family. Dog family. Yeah, dog family. Rachel's really I want to be a dog family. Yeah, and they're amazing. It's not the time for that. This yeah. is not that's not the reconciliation he's here for. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, I feel like Jimmy was anointed. <laughs> and so yeah, so um I live in West Palm Beach, mm. Florida. You know, someone has to do ministry someone there. Has I know to. it's There's hard. lost so people there. Palm trees, great weather, ocean. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the the hard life. I really feel like we should have done this on, you know, on site in West Palm. Yeah, the next great. podcast, we'll have to do it there. Come on, that'd been great. Love and it. so, doing ministry and doing marriage ministry with my wife and uh, XO marriage and uh, two equals one and kind of a thing we do a podcast. We have our own podcast, right. two equals one marriage podcast on XO and um, travel and get to do life with amazing friends and help them build their local church. Yeah. So let's do. build the church. That's right. A little bit about me. Yeah, and, Ra- and Rachel was talking about everybody's got, God has gifted everybody specifically, and people have different anointings to do different things. You know, some of your friends may be great at speaking life. Some people may be gifted worshipfully or evangelistically or whatever it might be. And again, whether it's for a short season or the rest of your ministry season, really seems like you have an anointing. You've impacted me and my family Mm -hmm. around uh, unity Mm -hmm. and around uh, how we should see people. Absolutely. And so just leading the book a little bit, before you talk about the book, can you give us, and you told us, I don't know, there, there's too many stories you've told yeah, us, right? right? For But whenever you think about, because you were a pastor, yeah. you, were, you were a pastor's kid, you were a pastor, mm-hmm. you were a musician, so you could have done anything. Mm-hmm. So like, what were some of the, what if you could tell us a story 
or something like that. What was it that where God really birthed this wow. in you and Irene's heart? You know what I'm saying? Like, where did you were yeah. like, oh, that's it? Well, I think it started for me before I was married in Bible college. Uh, I went to a Christian school and I was one of 15 African-Americans out of about a thousand students. Oh, wow. And, uh, and so really we were the majority. I'm joking. We were the minority. <laughs> and, um, and I had a, a situation where it was a missions chapel and uh, the mission speaker that Sunday uh, or that Friday uh, chapel got up and amongst his uh, three points in the close, he used probably the most racially insensitive word that could be used uh, amongst his three points in his clothes. And um, I didn't know what to do. Like I, I was literally uh, was frozen. I was paralyzed. And, you know, people were laughing. And like people that really? I considered family uh, were laughing and it was like, so is this normal? Is this normal talk? And the, 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 what blew my mind is this Bible school is preparing people for ministry. Right. And they and, just told them that's okay. And it was just like, yeah. this is a part of what we do. So I started thinking to myself, is that what you do on a stage? And what, what is your language in private? And so it was in that moment where the Lord began to uh, repurpose and reframe my thought about it. And literally it was kind of like, I'm gonna take your greatest misery and I'm gonna change that into a great ministry wow. of reconciliation. And uh, it was in that moment that I felt God calling me to be a bridge builder. And wow. with this unique calling, ability, anointing, whatever it is, because if you're gonna build bridges, you have to be willing to be walked on by both sides. Ooh. Yeah, gosh, so good. <laughs> That's real good. Yeah. Wow. So misery in the ministry. Yeah. And if you're going to be a bridge builder, because that sounds good till you mm -hmm. think, till you realize what you just said, you have to get walked on by both sides. If Correct. You're to build, I mean, if you're actually going to build a bridge. Absolutely. Wow. That's that's so good. So you so you start to feel that. So what? Let me ask another pre question before we get to the the book. So I, everybody has misery. Yeah. Right. Whether it's relational or physical, whatever it might be, you know. Um, how because a lot of people, whether whatever it is, whether it's in their marriage or whether mm -hmm. it's in a, a racial context like what you just described or a political context, it seems like the culture of the world, that's like that's an offense. Yeah. And that and we're which I, I didn't plan to go this way, but yeah. this, you'll, you'll see how this hits for you and, and your heart. But we're, we're seem to be so much more defined by our uh, offenses. Yes. Than what we're for. How and before I know you're, you're gonna get get to that. That's in your heart. How do you not let something like that turn into an offense? Well, you know what I'm saying? Because I mean, it it shuts you off from yeah. doing ministry. So how how do you do that? Because I think people would have said you were justified. Yeah, being offended, shutting down, Absolutely. changing schools, whatever. Yeah. But that book wouldn't be sitting here. No, you know the, all the ministry and the generations changed. So. There's a bunch of people watching who we either need to go back and reframe <laughs> yeah. some misery in the ministry, yeah. or we need to prepare ourselves for that yeah. to happen. How do you how do you have your heart that way? Well, I, I think this is really what it means to follow Jesus. And I mean, not to say I'm a great follower of Jesus. Right. You do <laughs> <Right>. your best. <laughs> I, I do my best. Right. But I mean, if we look at the gospel, right, and we look at uh, Jesus's ministry, like everything that offended him he was called to. Yeah. Everything mm. that was disruptive, right? He right. wanted to bring destiny to. Yeah. Like, like everything that he wasn't, right? He had to step in, you know, to people's lives so that they could become something. Right. You know, he came to earth without sin, without fault, but yet he was called to these kind of people. Yeah. And I think the greatest, so you know, words was some of the seven last words on the cross when he says, Father, forgive them for they know oh. not what they do. In other words, God, I am called to be in proximity with these people who are going to persecute me without them knowing that through my opposite spirit, I'm going to bring them to a greater purpose. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the only way you can do that is to die the death that he died. Yeah. And so as Christ's followers, we face death. We're like sheep thrown to the slaughter to yeah. face death all day long. So when you embrace the fact that in order for love to find its definition in the totality of what it is, it has to find hate. Mm. It has to find what it's not. Mm. 
God is love. He doesn't decide to love. Right. He didn't, love doesn't have a choice. Love, love doesn't have a preference. Like in order for love to be love, it has to find something that needs it. Something that is not love. Yes. The parody. In which it. is sin, which is hate, which is betrayal, which is, yeah. you know, uh, backbiting, which is racism. And I believe that love is at its best when people are at their worst. Mm. Yeah, that's the truth. Yeah. So it's really, that's really, good. it's the it's the misery or the offense or whatever. We shouldn't be we shouldn't be hiding from those things or waiting for the like those are actually the opportunity yeah. for love to not just exist but to flourish. Absolutely, well, to actually be a change. The root of that offense is is an opportunity. Hey, what is the antithesis of that? Yeah, that, that God's trying to birth in me, hundred percent, so that I can when it comes up against me, there's not offense, mm -hmm. but there's whatever the opposite of that is. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so good. That's amazing. I, I I I love that. I think that's so powerful, and it leads into some stuff you talk about in the book, some stuff that's close to your heart. But I think that this is again because we we get so shaped by what we're against mm -hmm. rather than what we're for, which I know that's 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 a passion. And so if we could talk a little bit about that, but it, if we could put this because you do a great job of setting up frameworks, and so just to help people think through it. So something that you say um, is that um, your your ethnic and it, it's obviously way more. It's way larger than your ethnic culture, yeah, correct. political culture, whatever becomes a subculture in kingdom culture. That's it. And so, you know, we everybody oh, here, that. like they believe that their purpose mm -hmm. is to win their world, you know, to correct. that's that's what Jesus is gonna hold us accountable for. And so, but that's kingdom. It's kingdom. Right. So, but how how can somebody, right? And I, everybody's got something that they want to die on that's mm -hmm. not kingdom, right? And so like just if you if you just talk a little bit about like your I mean you did ministry in Baltimore that wasn't yeah. easy all that but how how does somebody go from and if you have a revelation about how that happened I'd love to hear it but how does somebody go from whatever culture they're passionate about ethnic political relational culture being a subculture because that's not what I mean the world <laughs> wants to define us by that yeah you know uh, all that being a a subculture to kingdom culture correct well I think it. it in its infancy uh, stages, it's about identity, right? So when we give our lives to Christ, we're supposed to take on this new identity. Uh, this new identity requires us to identify with a new citizenship, Yeah. Right? right? Like Paul talks about that, that we're citizens of heaven. Uh, when you get saved, you become adopted into the family of God. And so when we, when we, I don't really feel like we understand, you know, that there is a, you know, we talk about heaven and we're just like, you know, one day I'm going to die and go to heaven, but heaven is something that we can have today right, in right. living, which helps us live life to the fullest, not live life trying not to sin. Yeah. And then one day go to heaven. No, no, no. We invite heaven here. That's the Lord's prayer. Right. And we can do that and transact with heaven as citizens of a kingdom that's bigger than the kingdom of earth. It's the kingdom of heaven. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. And when heaven comes to earth as citizens, we transact on earth differently. Yeah. Uh, uh, we have a different jurisdiction. We get reciprocity in, in places that, you know, we really wouldn't have authority. We have kingdom right. authority yeah. because we're anointed. And what happens is, is when that happens, the essence of the kingdom is family. Yeah. I mean, it goes all the way back to Abraham. Father Abraham, right. many sons, many sons of father. When, he, when God took Abraham outside, he said, so shall your descendants be. In Genesis 12, that promise to Abraham is in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So we have to understand that in us is the potential to bless all families. Bless is really the bring the grace of God to all families. Yeah. So even though you're slightly redheadish, right. It's in there. It's in there. It's in there. And, and I'm not. Right. Right. We're family. Right. Because our ethnic culture gets trumped. There's a greater value yeah. on the kingdom culture than the value that I place right. on my ethnic culture, my political culture. Yeah. And what we do when we argue with people who are different than us, when we 
when we try to put our ideologies on them, we are valuing a a earthly culture higher than a kingdom culture. Yeah. And guess what we get? The culture we value the most. Right. Yeah. Which is full of death and destruction. Yeah. But I need you to pastor for a second because I would say such a small percent. You, I think the family part. Y'all got me fired up. So. I know. The, the, I fa- the family part, I think people can receive, right? Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, that that's it's easier to, but there's something you said that people don't receive. Yeah. And actually, Rachel's way better at it than I am. It's receiving that we, and this is the authority as sons and daughters, as ambassadors, but you've said, you said it in the sermon, you said it a couple times, and I just think people just, whew, the thought that we get to, Bless. Yes. You know, and so just with our life, with our <laughs> culture. So why do you think that people live? I told you like one of my fears, one of our fears mm-hmm. as we pastor Faith Promise yeah. is that people will look at Jesus and realize they wasted their life. Wow. And so like whenever you get, whenever you're talking about like people have the ability to bless, people have the ability to like, like speak this life and these yeah. this freedom. Um, number one, why? I think it's. I think it's aligned with what we're talking about. Why do you think people live so far below that ability? And then how are? Because people hear about our quiet times all the time and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And how are you choosing that? Because you, you and I talked some story. You know, you told some stories that time in Bible college. Yeah, it's real. Uh, I, well, but it was. It's real. But it's one of a hundred. Yeah. Times that you could have said. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna live in the misery. Yeah. So you obviously have a you obviously have some sort of consistency yeah. to make the kingdom bigger. So can you just talk a little bit about how can people see themselves as blessers? And then also how are how do you live, how do we live that consistently and not get drugged down? Wow. Well, I think Rachel she's probably good at it. Number one, she's just better than you. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm joking. And, but you think about marriage. But I married her, so there's, some, there's something about me. It well, does say something right? about you. Yeah, you two, are, two are now one. Come on. That's <laughs> well, I mean, if you think about the church, there's a reason why the church is the bride of Christ. Uh-huh. And how marriage is such a good illustration of this. So when you guys got married, the first thing you did is make covenant. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Right? And it's the covenant that keeps you, not the decision. Mm-hmm. It's the covenant that keeps you because covenant trumps choice. Right. Right? It's the covenant. That is a complete different thing than a contract. Right. Right. A love covenant that says I'm committed to you beyond uh, uh, friction, beyond fracture. Right. And so you guys can get an argument. Right. But the fact that you made family covenant is basically you're saying till death do us part. Nothing can come between what we made covenant with. Right. Right. That's a kingdom principle. Yeah. Covenant is a kingdom principle that we can see very plainly enacted in the instrument of marriage, but we don't see it plainly enacted in the instrument that we are the bride of Christ Mm -hmm. and we make covenant with people who aren't yet the bride of Christ to bring them into this family. So you're saying there's not the level of commitment to it that there should be because we have made a covenant. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So so now watch this now. In marriage, two becoming one, since you brought that up, you are each other's blueprint for purpose. So here's what happens in marriage. What happens in marriage is you guys get married, you're in the honeymoon phase, honeymoon phase, and then all of a sudden you start getting on each other's nerves. Right. Right? And you start seeing things in him, and he starts seeing things in you that need redemption. Mm-hmm. Right? And there's a whole lot to the left, <laughs> right? That need redemption. Right. And then your wife becomes a mirror uh-huh. for you to see what needs to be redeemed. Right. And God gives her now the responsibility, heaven on earth, she's representing a level of grace, a level of love, a level of covenant that only can be enacted in the covenant of marriage. Right. That says, I'm committed to that and to bringing that to the purposes mm. of God because we have covenant. I can't divorce it. I can't leave it because God is using me as a mirror to show you you so that you can see him through her. Yeah. And then that happens and vice versa. Mm. Yeah. However, when we take this outside of marriage and what we're not 
starts to show up in our friendships, in our coworker relationships. And if we don't see them as covenant family, we're going to want to cut them off and cancel them rather than be commissioned to show compassion, to help reconcile that to God. That's when love is its best. Yeah. Is mm. when you say, mm. I love you, Zach. I love you, Rachel. What you're saying is everything that's short of the destiny and purpose of God that is in your life, I'm committed to reflecting heaven as a mirror so that you receive God's love through me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We get that in marriage. Yeah. yeah. We don't get that outside of marriage because we don't look at ourselves as a bride. Yeah. Mm that is showing this lost, sin-sick world the reflection of Christ. So betrayal, frustration, hate, anger, racism has to show up so that we can now be a conduit from heaven to earth to love people the way that God loves them and be the tangible hands and feet of Jesus on earth. It's really simple. Yeah, Mm. God uses people. Right to get to the hearts of people. Yeah, right. You said, so, you and wow. I, we had the privilege so of listening to you and Irene um, a little while ago at ARC, and mm-hmm. you guys were teaching, and you said something I thought was, I'd love to just hear your feedback on it. Mm-hmm. You talked about how trust is what makes a way for unity and then unity for intimacy. And I, so as you talk about, hey, creating this space where, you can engage that. Mm-hmm. There has to be some level of trust. Absolutely. And specifically within like the body of Christ, I feel like there's just been, <laughs> there's so much trust that's been broken. Yeah. I mean, it's really hard to overcome what you've plastered all over social media and yeah. then we want to sit down knee to knee. Correct. That's really hard. Yeah. Um, so when you say we got to have, we have, and you have to have it, mm-hmm. how do we practically say, hey, I want to create a space with the people that I've experienced, Mm -hmm. that I've experienced betrayal, I've experienced heartbreak. How do I walk in that? It's great. As believers, Mm -hmm. because you see, because it's a deep hurt, it's a different hurt because you picked your family. Yeah. So your biological family, you don't pick those people. You just, Mm -hmm. you get them. It's real. But you pick. Come along with the deal. Yes. (laughs) But you picked your church family. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, I church hurt and division within the house is, it feels so much different I yeah. think, even then within your own family. So how do we go about seeing restoration in That's that? Great. That's a great question. I think a great thought. And I don't know if I have the answer, but I, I feel like an idea could be. So when I was growing up, uh, you know, I, me, me and my sister, my cousin, my one, one sibling, but my older cousin lived up the street and we would get in fights and you know, who's right, who's wrong, and, mm-hmm. you know, who did what first, and, you know, well, why'd you hit him? Because he did this, and, you know, and it plays out in the church, right? And But my mom, she would do something occasionally. We had this one table. Uh, it was a table no one ate at except for it was holiday or, you know, Christmas or Thanksgiving. And, and she sit us all down at the table. And we knew when we were coming to this table, it was like, oh, God. And she'd say something that I think we need to say to her. She says, okay, first of all, there's no use in having a conversation until we first agree that we're family, mm. even when we disagree. Yeah. And she says, because if we don't do that, then we have no foundation of conversation. Common ground, yeah. Because then I'm trying to get you to be something. I'm trying to get you, instead of just get you to look at my perspective and then walk up from this table with the same thought we're yeah. family. Now, back then it was, we didn't want to get in trouble. Right. Right. It was like, I don't want to get a spanking. So I'm I'm, going to say, because we were thinking about ourselves when we come to the table of difference. Yeah. When we come to the table of diversity, when we come to the table of difference of thought, difference of ideology, a difference of lifestyle or opinion, it's got to start with the foundation of family. Yeah. Among us, you are all equal. Like Paul talks about this, like there is no Jew, no, no Gentile, no slave, no, no free. Mm, Among right, us, right. in Christ, we are all equal. What he's saying right. is we're family. We're all adopted. And now when we have that conversation, now we can say, so what, what's your thought? Now, here's the crazy thing. I have to be able to express a thought without the desire to get you to adopt it. Mm. Right. We don't know how to do that. We don't know how to do that. We don't know how to share experience Mm -hmm. without an expectation 
that my experience become your experience. Mm. So if I talk to you about my son as an African-American man and when he got his license, the fear that I had as a dad, don't get pulled over, put your hands at 10 and 2, all of that. That's an experience you may never have. No, it's right. okay to say, watch this. I'm sorry that that's been your experience. Yeah. And leave it. That's right. What we want to do mm -hmm. is I'm sorry that that's your experience. That's not me. Right. Right. It wasn't you. Why do we need to have that conversation? Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. the fact that you were in the room, it's like my wife, like our first child. I'll never push out a baby. Right. But I went to Lamaze class. Yeah. And what did Lamaze class teach me? To, to, to learn how to hold her hand through pain that I had never experienced myself. Right. Yeah. I didn't look at her and say, oh, does it hurt? It's not that bad. Yeah. Doesn't hurt me. Yeah. Yeah. Because I never would have experienced that. That's, yeah. So why so is it our desire to want someone to sit in our seat as if it's us rather than just holding people's hands and helping them breathe through pain that they would never experience yourself. And then why is it on the other side? Why am I, if I'm sharing my experience, it's not an indictment on you. Right. It's just saying we're family. You know, when you shared an experience with, when you had y'all's first child, you're not saying, you know what? I hope you feel this pain. Right. You're saying, I just want to share my experience so you know what it was like. Right. And, 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 and you can love and hold each other to the pain. I don't understand why conversations have an agenda to convince. Yeah. Well, that's what, well, first of all, I think we love to make stuff about ourselves. Come on. You know, so when you say something and if, if I'm not involved somehow, yeah. then I, you know, then you're missing out. But we've said something that you actually said today in the message. I think this is a great framework for what we're talking about, but we say, Hey, when people get married or really, especially if you want to win your world, you have something you have to surrender is, is the desire to be right. See it. It's like when you get married, it's not about being right anymore. She fights for me. I fight for her. You know, which you, you get all that. But I feel like that's what we're talking about. Yeah. It's like, hey, this, this deal to be right. Um, and so, and, and, and <laughs> I've, I've really, with kind of the racial tension and being, a, and for me, being a leader of a church, I've, I've just sought out to, to grow. You know, one of our elders is a, one of the, you know, really the CEO over at, at, um, at UT Medical. And I was just asking him and he said, hey, do you know what it's like to be the only brown face on a 80 person Zoom call every day? Wow. And, I'm, and then now I walk into rooms and I realize, oh, there's, you know, 95% of this room is white. I mm -hmm. wonder what it feels like. And then you and I talk. Mm -hmm. And uh, and some of this stuff, man, just I, I can't just think a bunch right now. I just break my heart. I won't be able to finish. But the thought of like, how much of myself do I get to be? Mm -hmm. And so I feel like you have surrendered this almost like you could make a very real justification around hey, I'm going to make it right that people understand this. Mm -hmm. But you've surrendered your, hey, I, I, want to, I, want to, I want to make it right where people understand, you know, that not everybody gets to, I, I, never, walk, I never walk into a room mm -hmm. and think, do I get to be my full, maybe I'm just not self-aware, right? But I, I, we just, we, you and I just walk through different stuff. But you have surrendered this, that's just you. That's never what I hear you talk about. Yeah, I've heard you talk more about marriages in our in our private conversation. Yeah. I've heard you talk more about what's coming that's going to be hard for us in leading a church, mm -hmm. and so then then about race or whatever else it might be. And so you've obviously surrendered being right mm -hmm. about that um, to the greater kingdom citizenship. Um, and so, and again, I was going to ask how you've done that because I think everybody has to make that decision. Absolutely, and maybe it goes back to you know, you realize you're part of something bigger in the kingdom of heaven and you just chose to live in that, right? Yeah. So, but is there anything else to that? Well, I think um, I just try to look at, you know, the, the pain. I'll say this. There's no greater teacher than pain. Mm. Boy, that's and, and yet there is somebody else's. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I'd rather teach, preach out of my pain and let people learn out of my pain so they don't have to endure their own. Yeah. And I think God's just given me this compassion. It's not that I don't get angry. It's not that I don't get upset. Uh, but I really try to check that at the door of compassion and empathy. And, you know, the Bible says that when Jesus looked at crowds, he had compassion on them. 
Uh, and he was he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. Mm-hmm. But it says he was moved with compassion. Yeah. But he didn't move away from people. Yeah. He moved towards people. In this cancel culture that we live in, um, it really bothers me because it's starting to invade the church. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that daily dying is is the secret sauce. Like that daily God search my heart. That daily looking at life from your own pain and your own wounds. And and I don't think people mean to suck. Yeah. <laughs> right. I I just think they're a product of their hurts. And, yeah. and yes. true compassion is putting someone else's hurts in your heart and being committed to them until they're healed. Right. So what I, I try to be as often as I can, I didn't always do this in my life, is uh, I wanted people to be better when they left me. Yeah. I want people to be inspired to change when they left me. And I think that's just yielding to the call of Jesus, to, to be a follower of Christ. Like, yeah. like in John 4, uh, Jesus goes to this woman at the well. Now, here's mm-hmm. the deal. You guys know Samaritans and Jews did not do life. And that scripture is so racially charged. You Jews, you yeah. Samaritans, you yeah. worship this yeah. way. You worship that way. Yeah. But scripture starts out in John 4 that Jesus, he says, I have to go through Samaria. He doesn't avoid Samaria. Right. He didn't go around a 70 mile, uh, you know, some theologian says out of the way to go through what would be a lot shorter, a shorter, you know, uh, a shortcut to Bethel. Like he didn't do any of that. Right. He says, I got to go through Samaria. And y'all know when he goes to Samaria, he has this conversation with this woman at the well. Now, most in my story, most Jews would have been like them Samaritan people. Uh-huh. They need to change. Right. right. Yeah. Them Samaritan people. They're like this and they're just stereotyping them, but they have no proximity because they've always been avoiding them. So all they had is a script that is not their own experience. But Jesus says, I'm gonna have my own experience. He goes to a woman who has been ostracized by her own people. Right. Right. He has a conversation at a well that well is representing the Holy Spirit. She says the pain's too deep. Mm. Right. Like the history is too deep. Mm -hmm. And Jesus says, she has nothing to draw with. He says, I have a draw with. He's basically saying my heart is going to be committed to get to the depths of your hurts. Yeah. He starts talking about history. Nobody wants to talk about history. Mm-hmm. Well, history, isn't it history? Hold on. Isn't the Bible history? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. We want to pick and choose when we use history. Right. But I've never gone to a doctor's office without filling out a form that talks about my history. Mm-hmm. And then the doctor get there and he goes, this is your history? And he says, oh, it's not that bad. Yeah. Never. Right. It's helping him prescribe a new Destiny, right? right? Jesus talks to the woman. What happens? He puts her on fire for God. What does she do? She then goes and ministers to her own. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we want to fix Samaritan people without ever talking to a Samaritan woman and loving on her enough to empower her to go change her city. Yeah, yeah. What Man, re- I'm fired up. I'll preach right now. It requires an incredible <laughs> amount of patience. Mm-hmm. Which you, I, I watch you exist. Like it's, it's really, it's. I love watching you do it because you're so patient with people. Mm-hmm. I've just watched how you've treated it. Like the, the, while we've been together, I mm-hmm. watch how you treat people. So you're so patient and you sit and it requires that. That creates the space for you to teach somebody to be present. Absolutely. And really that's just what I feel like one of the things you're so good at is teaching people how to be present with other people. And you have the patience to give them the space to learn how. I want to say one more thing. Yeah. Because yeah. people give you, here's a practical tool. It's, it's deep. It's not. Hope equals help. Yeah. Help equals hope. The most practical, most effective weapon, if you will, right. tool, essential of the kingdom is yeah. serving. Yes, help, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. Yeah. When you serve people, you are paying off the debt yeah. Of sin in their life. Mm. That's so good. So that they can begin to ask a question. Right. Why did you do that? Yeah. I've had so many waitresses or waiters that are just giving bad service. And I have every reason to, because to, I, I didn't tell them to sign up for that job. Right. To just go off, speak to a manager. I've been trying to do this. Hey, I, I understand you're struggling a little bit with your service. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you get it. What's going on in your world? Mm-hmm. Right. You have a bad day? Mm-hmm. Something going on at home? Yeah. How can I pray for you? 
Right. You did it last night. You did it last night. That's right. And that guy came to church. He did. He used to get saved for long, too, I bet. That guy was serving us, but we took time to serve him. Uh-huh. And you could tell in his eyes. You, you mentioned his eyes when we asked, how old are your kids? He was he pray for them right now. Oh, yeah, and they showed up at 8, 845 first service. So, hey, go a minute ago when you when you were preaching. Let's go back to it for a second. Because <laughs> we mentioned it. You know, again, faith promise we exist to win the world. Black people in Christ was win their world. So, like Jesus, he sent out the demoniac. Mm-hmm. cast demons out of him, then send him to ministry in the same moment. Mm-hmm. Samaritan woman, these are people that we've disqualified. You know, like they, they don't have a shot. Yeah. Um, and, and Jesus sends them. But so I feel like when people think about evangelism, everybody's gifted different, right? Mm-hmm. So they think it's got to look maybe like how they hear maybe stories of me doing it, like with uh, Kyle or whatever. Yeah. So it's got to be this way. So I'd love to merge two things we've talked about because okay. you have a heart for the lost. Yes, uh, you, you, have, you have a heart for the kingdom and broken heart for anybody who's living outside of it. Yeah, because right? they're allowed in it. You know, yep. we want them in it. But you've also talked about your struggle with being your full self. Yeah, and I think either people, when it comes to winning their world, sharing their faith, they either try to be a different self by trying to act more like maybe like a me or like a dad or something mm-hmm. like that, or they just don't do it at all. Correct. And so how mm-hmm. how would you inspire people to be their full self? They don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers, right? But how how would you how would you inspire or encourage somebody to be them be their self um as being sent out like the demoniac was or being sent out like the Samaritan woman was mm-hmm. to win their world? Well, I think in those stories, especially Samaritan woman, she's ostracized by her own people. She couldn't even be her own self. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the church. Yeah. I, I think it's a bigger problem in the church. Like, people don't show up in the fullness of who they are because they feel like they're going to be judged. Mm-hmm. And like I said this morning, like, we can't, we got to stop judging people because they sin differently than us. Right. Like, but also know this, that it's impossible to keep up with who we pretend to be. Yeah. Right? And That's God... Right. Maybe God wants to bless us. Now, I'm not talking about financial blessing. I'm talking about unmerited grace and favor to do a thing. Mm -hmm. So if I don't show up in the fullness of who I am, then what I'm saying is, is my pretending is making up for more than grace can make up for. Okay, say it again. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, yeah. But 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 there's people who missed it. Yeah. So say so, it again. So you're pretending. So if I'm pretending to be something I'm not, what I'm saying is, is my fakeness, my pretending is the favor I need uh-huh. on a thing to accomplish it. Yeah. So my fake is better than God's design. So that's why scripture says, where I'm weak, he's strong. Mm-hmm. And the, the what God is, his strength is perfected in what I'm not. So we're missing out on the strength of the church by faking. Yes. Yeah. And that unmerited grace comes in when we just says, God, this is all I got. Right? Yeah. And so when I show up and I'm not being fully present in who God fully made me to be, I what I'm saying is, God, I don't need you. I got this covered. Right. And mm. now when I show up fully present, when I'm at work fully present, when I guess what? Everything you're not shows up in the form of testimony. Right, <laughs> right. Right? Yeah. And people says, yeah, I get it now. You couldn't do that. But it's God's grace that makes up that distance and that yeah. difference? Yeah. Mm. And now they begin to transact and exchange. Well, tell me about that. Yeah. And then we begin to overcome by this blood of the lamb mm-hmm. that redeems us in the word wow. of our testimony that makes it happen again in lost people's lives. That's why the one of the, the enemy... His greatest weapon is division. Yeah. Now, division can show up in us without anybody else in the form of shame. Right. And now when it shows up in us in the form of shame, it's not racism. It's not hate. It is, I can't forgive myself yeah. over stuff that God forgives me, so I separate myself from my history. That's me, man. And there's no yeah. opportunity for testimony for someone else to say, me too. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's so good. I've never said these words before. That's so, well, you think, oh, go ahead, man. Well, I would say that fakeness is not, if you, you said it over and over, 
You got to die to yourself. You got to die to yourself. And if you're, if we're living to be fake, you didn't die to yourself. You're worshiping yourself. Yep. Just, you're the most important thing. Mm-hmm. What everybody thinks about you is more important. You can't make space. It's so wild. Shame gets to dictate your, yeah. your mental, the, uh, what your, your internal thoughts. Cause you're just so busy. Cause shame mm-hmm. says, I am bad. Okay. Oh yeah. I'm Guilt gonna- says what I did was bad. Mm-hmm. And when we feel like I am bad, then we take on the ident. We have an identity crisis because we think freedom is being perfect. Yeah. No, freedom is having nothing to hide. Yeah. What? Wait. What does shame say? Shame says I, I am bad. Guilt says I did something bad. Sin or conviction says sin is bad. Correct. Yeah. But there's, we don't. Come on. But we don't get to that one. That's we it. live in these two. Well, oh, I lived in bondage to shame for years. I mean, ra- like radically. Delivered from shame wow. by myself. It was, you know, I don't know. The Lord's just it was like, supernatural. Huh? You got to just be by yourself. And Come it on. was crazy. Mm. And I remember the moment, like, I remember it being like, I've never felt, I've never thought clearly about experiences I've had. Wow. That I can, when shame was, when shame was made silent, it's like all of a sudden I was able to have clarity about experiences that had been rewritten. Wow. And so God was able, I was, the spirit of truth was able to shift the perspective in those. So is there anything in what we talked about so far that really, I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, that <laughs> really like is, I know you do. <clears throat> I'm not going to ask you a thing, but is there anything like this real specific to a, a female who's trying to win her world, mm-hmm. lead at church mm-hmm. or in, in, in the church at work or whatever, right? That is like, I think there's very general we've been talking about around division and shame and all that kind of stuff uh, about not being your full self. So, you know, but is there anything that specifically hits women, mm-hmm. right? That as, as they're listening, that it's like, Hey, this is, th- th- this is the part where we really have to be careful or we won't bring all that we, cause sometimes y'all don't bring women don't bring all that because mm-hmm. you've been, been pushed out and shame on the people who've done that. Yeah. But sometimes because of, potentially the culture created, you don't bring your full self for whatever the reason might be. Have you heard any of that that we haven't? Well, I think for, I think for women, it's it's not, we'll bring a whole self. We'll bring a different self Mm -hmm. because the different self, if I got to push to be at the table, I got to force it or, or, well, if I do that, I, 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 they'll think of me this way. So I just won't show up at all. So either I bring a different self that I feel like will get me to where I need to be or what I need Mm -hmm. to do. And, a lot of that, I feel like, as you, you mentioned it, hey, I look at people, I see them in the high chair and, and their experience as a child. But I would say, hey, you have to go back. And when I was a little girl, these were the things that not my parents, peers spoke over me mm-hmm. that shaped what I thought and believed about myself and what I was capable of and what what my destiny would be. And then I took things and said, hey, I put my own boxes around it because of what the world said. Yeah. And so I think as w- women, in partic- I think it's broad, but I think women, we have to take our alabaster box, the dreams and the visions that we have and break them at Jesus' feet and let them reframe what the world has said and what we've said we're allowed to do or be a part of whatever and apply it to the word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to repair and reframe some things that we've, I mean, like experiences have to be rewritten because Jesus was in the room. God was present. He saw the things you experienced, but he, he didn't look at you the same way the world did. He grieved with you. He sat there and cried. When you experienced that abuse, he was his heart was broken too. When they said you're ugly and you're worthless, that's not what he said. He was yeah. sitting there next to you saying, Don't don't listen to that. That's not truth. I created you special and set apart. But our experiences have so shaped mm-hmm. and skewed how what we choose to bring to the table now. Yeah. Because th- there have been parts of me that have been spoken of that I'm too much. So mm-hmm. it's almost the same thing that Pastor Jimmy has said, mm-hmm. where you have to consider mm-hmm. can I, should I? Be my full self, hundred percent. Or I'm, am I going to be a, a a bossy bee? Yeah, as some have said. Right? Is, right. That, is that how I'm going to be? Well, perceived? or I'll be too much because you know you can't be too much. Because mm-hmm. if you're too much, then they they don't want you. But then if you're not enough, you're not enough. Okay, yeah. we, we can talk about that. So, hey, one but more I'm thing. just saying, yes, the same thing. It's how much of thing? myself? So y'all, you and then we had we had Steve, who we've had on. So they're, they're really good at this. You said it, and then you said it before. So I think one more practical thing for people. I believe that people could win their world 
if they could just see people how they should see. Oh, I was getting ready to say that. Well, you didn't say that. Oh, well, well <laughs> and, and so what Rachel and I would say is when people would treat us poorly or what, or lost people act lost, we would why say- Why do you expect anything different? Right, why are we expecting anything different? Right? And then we would say, I just, I feel bad that that's where they are. And unfortunately, uh, some people have taken that as like, I'm, I'm gaslighting them or something like yeah. that. But you said it way better. Whenever I say I feel bad, I, I'm I, that they that they're that they're that way right now because I see where I believe where they could be. Mm-hmm. Well, and we know but, the cost of sin. Yeah. Would, oh, and you yeah. you've done so a great you've done a great job of rolling because you said when I was a little girl they they this or that. So you have reframed something as something as uh, caustic and death ridden as racism, mm-hmm. and you've pulled it back to the high chair. Yeah. So. Can you give us, and whether you want to use that or something else, but can you give people, can you help them reframe how they see people, whether they look like them, look like them or whatever, whether they offend them or not? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like give them, give them a framework for how to see people, you know, and, and then so that they can see people and win their world. Well, I think, first of all, we need to see people as God sees them. And our heart needs to break for the things that breaks the heart of God. Mm-hmm. So those are like two like very practical things, like prayers you can pray. God, help me to see people. But we don't even want to say we see difference. Yeah. We don't even want to say we see sin. We don't even use the discernment that God gave right. us in the kingdom. And I think a good illustration could be, you know, even in the race, in the race, it's like, I don't see color. Right. That's shame on you. Right. Like, you don't ever go to Best Buy and you need to get the latest TV and say, hey, do you have anything in black and white? Because I don't want to see color. Right. No, what you say is, is can I get 4K, 8K? Mm. Can I get the most amount of pixels and the most amount of, because I'm missing something if I don't notice. You know what Jesus did? He saw life in 3K, Mm -hmm. the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And what he was able to do by seeing people is seeing the blind guy who couldn't see him, but he saw the blind guy. It's seeing the prostitute. It's seeing the woman with the alabaster. It's seeing lost people. It's seeing the demonic people. It's seeing Peter's mother-in-law. It's seeing Jairus's daughter. He saw people. And he saw people with kingdom eyes that said, I am created for anyone below their potential to see. God, help me see the needs in the world. And we are so fast paced. We are so worried about getting to church. How many people in Peter's house, and I believe it's Luke chapter two, or one of those, how many people in Peter's house overlooked the paralyzed guy on the way to church and only four people saw him? How many people, it says the whole house was packed. So can you imagine on your way to church, seeing somebody who can't get to church themselves, who is in need and not noticing. Just left him, yeah. But four guys says, I'm going to go and, and see, see this guy. And they each grabbed a corner of his mat and was committed to getting him to the place where Jesus was. But it first started with eyes to see, eyes to see people paralyzed in divorce, eyes to see people paralyzed in fear, eyes to see people paralyzed in their sexual identity, eyes to see, we see their sin in their act and our flesh is, I don't want people to think that's me. I don't want people to think that's No, we don't see people by the spirit to say they're paralyzed they can't get here yeah. without me noticing. Right. So then they, those guys got them back to the house. It's like, oh, the front door was closed. It says the whole house was full. There was no more room even outside the door. What did they do? They scaled the roof and they ripped the roof yeah. off. Now, I don't know physically what that looked like. Right. But what I do know spiritually is they changed the front door of the church. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. That's what they did. That's right. so good. And so what if you at work, you're the front door of the church, not the physical building. Yeah. Yes. What if you in traffic, instead of cussing somebody out, show right. them compassion, you're the front door of the church. What if you on social media, on Facebook or Twitter or TikTok, whatever it is that you do or Instagram, instead of giving them your opinion, you gave them Christ's obedience and DM them and said, Hey, I just want you to know that God loves you. It's changing the front door of the church. It's ripping the roof off of what traditionally would have been done. Yeah. Right. And creating a new front door to get people to Jesus. Yeah. So good. But it starts 
you with what it? we see. How you see? Yeah. How, How do you see it? the world? Do you see the world as needing to be fixed, or do you see yourself as a change agent? Mm, that's so good. Well, we really could. We could sit I'm here for. Up. We could sit here for hours. You ain't lying. We're here to sit here for hours. So hey, we're gonna wrap it up. I will tell you one more thing, um, and uh, just because th- I think this is probably one of the most polarizing example something we talked about last night at dinner which we were having church there too um but uh you know one of the most one of the most divisive things right now is roe v wade and that being overturned and stuff like that and when i just said it roe v wade roe versus wade Mm -hmm. we talked about last night and and that versus in there Mm -hmm. you know and whenever you put that versus because the world you know not not just sex cells but division cells and like if, hmm. if we can and even social media we know that they elevate the posts that are that are uh, divisive because it gets more likes it gets more comments it gets more arguments and so it gets more traction but again whenever you throw that verses in the middle of it you you no matter how you feel about abortion whenever you when you prescribe to i'm committed to the verses then because the billion the millions or billions of babies that have been murdered you know, okay, oh, that's that's this over here. Well, well if, if you take that stance and that's what matters most to you, then the one in four women who've had abortions, mm-hmm. then you don't you don't love on them, you don't minister to them. And so I think I think we all have at least a place, hmm. if not multiple places, to do what you just said and just to say, where is it that I put a verses? Where is it that I see the verses and then I pick what I see? You know, and, so and you know, whatever it does. So Hey, you can find, again, we didn't talk a bunch about it, but read the title of the book so they can get on Amazon. Love Outside the Lines. And we'll put a link. You want to get the book. Again, it's a discipleship journey. When Pastor Jimmy was signing books earlier, a lot of families come. They're going to read with their kids. Mm -hmm. Game changer. Um, And then tell us the name of the podcast again so people can hear more from you. It's uh, twoequalsone.com. If you spell it out, uh, twoequalsone.com. Or you can go to XO Marriage and look at twoequalsone.com. And I'll just say this, because what you said is powerful. Wherever in your life you have a versus, yeah. replace it with a verse. Mm. Mm. John yeah. 3.16 is That's a pretty right. good one. That's, That's right. great, yes. John 13.34, though, know who you are. Come on. By our, by our love. So, hey, we, we love you. And uh, Pastor Jimmy has taken time. Uh, I preached a bunch this morning. He's got to get back to it. But the, the reason he did it was because he believes that God's given you a purpose. And that purpose is to win your world. And so I believe that we're all closer to it. We're more equipped to win our world because of these 50 minutes. So we all love you. We'll keep on praying for you. We love you guys so much. Go and win your world this week. Go win the world.